0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning in to the XO Podcast. Hey, guys, what's up? What's up, DeAndre? How are you, Vishal?
1: Hi.
2: I
0: am
1: just waking up, drinking my coffee, and here we are.
0: I love those slides in the background. Look at those.
1: Check wow. them out. store.
0: That's a great segue into... sandals. Yes, Vandals sandals. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming on today. If you are not aware with these two amazing humans, they make up the base electronic duo group bandles, Uh, And Vishal is also playing a huge part in uh, the Disciple... Label. He is a label management as well as A&R. Um, so for the people who have not listened to your music yet, aren't aware with who you guys are, can you guys just give us kind of a brief introduction to uh, what you guys do and uh, the, the role that you play at Disciple?
2: LMV, lay it on them. Give them the facts, G.
1: Uh, wait, what the, was the Alexa article? <laughs> I wanted to fucking uh, quote that. It was something like... Hold on.
2: Alexa. Who is B-A-N-D-L-E-Z? Bandles has learned a few bass producers to successfully utilize comedy as a primary component of this persona. weaving titrets of a mock police chase in progress. The track launches into a signature breakdown of audacious synth swells and playful fills. Oh, no. All right, Alexa, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, shut the fuck right, up.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what uh, we do as Bandles is we make memes. um. Make music, make uh, funny that'll jokes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Means then music, I I also do like a uh, label side stuff, backend stuff for disciple and disciple roundtable.
0: That's sick. That's fucking awesome. I mean it's it's been like comedy has been like a huge part of your guys, I guess you could say like quote unquote branding and kind of rollout of who you both are. Are you guys like genuinely like funny people? Do you guys fuck around a lot? Or is it like something where you were like, okay, this is what we're gonna do to really put our point across of who we are as bandals with like our wonky fucking music?
2: Well, first, we learned that in high school, people like to laugh at us. And then in college we like to laugh at other people. So wow. now we try to make other people laugh and then they end up laughing at us. So nothing's changed in our lives for a very <laughs> then, long time.
1: And then it's also kind it. of like, uh, you know how they say like people that you know are funny are also not very funny when they're alone. <laughs> <So> yeah.
2: Yeah. <bad. laughs>
0: Well, you guys are, like, better together then. You guys kind of, like, together, you make up, like, the funniness that each of you lack when you're alone. And then you just make us all laugh. Yeah,
1: unleash the funny, pretty much.
0: Unleash the funny. No, I fucking love it. Um, How long have you guys been producing? You guys have been around for, like, quite a while.
2: When I met Shaw, I was pretty bad at making music. (laughs) I'll be real. So, like, we met in high school. And he used uh, Fruity Loops. And he uh, <laughs> he used to make house music, and I used to make like progressive house music, and oh, then uh, yeah, and then he was like onto this guy named Savant, and I remember he made me a carbon copy of his entire iTunes library. Do you remember that Vishal?
1: I think so. It was like on a flash drive, and it was like a really small flash drive, so I couldn't give you all the music I had. Yeah, but yeah, gave you gave you, me like, like everything. Yeah oh shit uh, I, I, um, so
2: he he gave me a shit ton of music and I was like what is this and it was like oh that's dubstep man it's crazy kooky bass music stuff and so I actually didn't like it but he showed it to me and then I was like oh this is pretty cool we're gonna make this now so
1: yep. now we do um, I mean so that's like back in what 2012 2013 okay. and then since then like he has kind of you know gone head on with production and I've slowly disappeared Engage myself from production and I haven't done in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't um, be
2: fair for him to produce because it would be like unfair for everybody else. So
1: I kinda yeah. sticks to yeah. me. Yeah, um, it'd be just you too know, Felix would have yeah. to design and like Disciple would fall apart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the hierarchy of Disciple would fall apart. Val would be really sad.
0: Oh my god. Literally, so for those of you who don't know, Disciple's like literally one of the premier based labels in edm and i remember you bringing up skrillex when i literally was so fucking convinced that skrillex was gonna release with (laughs) y'all when you put out that little art graphic were you behind that (laughs) uh
1: wait what was that oh that was that was the video because i know somebody else made like a fake artwork maybe it was someone
0: else i was just like no fucking way
1: no. And it looks oh super God. legit and people lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, it got to the <laughs> point where like, I sent it to like our, our team uh, group chat and and somebody was like, repost that right now. Retweet it right now. Oh my God. I remember Tweeted. seeing it and I
0: was like, I mean, it wouldn't put it past me. Like maybe he's just going to go full rhythm. Maybe he's like, fuck it. Like we're going to go yeah. for the rhythm head. I would
1: so love that. Like right? yeah. Skrillex making dubstep again. Come on
0: be fucking wild. But okay, so 2012. All right. So that's when y'all kind of convened. And were you guys always in California? Because you're in North Hollywood now. No. No.
2: We were um we were in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Very small oh. town in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and then we went to school at Temple University. That was a smack in the face, right? Is Bechler? that in Arizona? Yeah, it's, in <laughs> Phil- it's in Philadelphia.
0: Philly. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: So we were in North Philadelphia, uh, kids who hadn't really lived on their own at all, and it was a pretty big smack in the face going to the city and being like, "Oh snap!" There's so much more than this town. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vishal's from India, so he knows what it's like to live in like dense population and be kind of in like a city atmosphere. But like mm-hmm. that was that shit was foreign to me, and it was kind of like an eye opening experience. And over the, the the two three years we lived there, actually, probably only like a year and a half, two years. <clears throat> We made friends. We went to underground parties. We realized that people like to DJ at like five a.m. So we started doing that. Yeah, and- that was
1: the uh, that was. It's interesting because that was the first time I ever I failed a class doing that. because yeah. <laughs> I had an exam at seven in the morning, and oh, no. supposedly Twelve Planet was gonna be at this after party at four in the morning, and. We went there, and there was nobody there. It was just us, us two. And then nobody showed up until, like, 5.30. And then we went back where DeAndre used to live in, like, you know, the student housing. Mm -hmm. And there was a basement. It was, like, completely empty. (laughs) And we just chilled out there. And I tried to stay awake. (laughs) And I I passed out. And I was 15, 20 minutes late to the exam. And I failed that class. So...
0: I feel like the two things, unfortunately, correlate because I'm pretty sure I did the same thing when I was in school. It was Oh, no!
1: Like,
0: yeah, it, it, it I, t- I totally get that. I was, like, introduced to raving right when I went to school and, like, I don't know. Fucking, they definitely go hand-in-hand hand with each other, but I'm really glad that... I went to school in D.C., so I went to, like, Eco Stage was, like, my first rave, and I was like, holy shit. Um, but that's, like, dope. So, like, how did you guys go from... Falling asleep in the basement in Pennsylvania to ending up in North Hollywood.
2: Bro, there is a lot of stuff that happened. There's a lot too, of man. stuff in between. And <laughs> the key we, points. It, it was all right. Like <laughs> here's the timeline. All right. I, I feel like it changes every single time we tell it because if you and I remember some interesting aspects of the story. Um but okay. So we were in college and then I wasn't doing too hot. I was pretty depressed. And I hated my classes. And I was trying to go pro in Halo at the same time. And at the same time, Vishal was doing classes. And he had made some friends. So I hung out with his friends sometimes in the library. But fast forward a little bit. We started going to underground parties. And basically what would happen is by the time I dropped out... I think I dropped out first, right, Vishal? Or at least uh, I, I stopped so, going yeah. to my classes. I yeah. dropped out of school first. And we. so I started... Kind of like couch surfing a little bit because I didn't really have any place to stay because I couldn't be in the student housing if I wasn't going to the classes. So um I stayed with Vishal and his mom for a little bit. I stayed in a house that my grandpa was selling and was staged for a realtor. So I had to be out during the day for a little bit. It was yeah. it was really interesting. And then <clears throat> soon after, um Vishaw would Vishaw and I would play these shows and like we joined this thing called the Dirty Kids, which was oh, me, shit. Vishal, and a guy named JR, um, who went by Cypher. Basically like a Philly-based trio. And fun fact, uh, it actually had two other members, uh, Chris Caden and a guy named Slushy, who now obviously is oh, on Shalizi's team and stuff. Yeah. But like, it's it's insane to think that like we would basically play these underground parties, and then people would notice that we would get on the mic and be really obnoxious and say, hey, we wrote this song. And then we would play the song and then we'd get a bunch of attention because the songs were pretty good. And slowly and surely, it led to us being picked up by management, uh, Dimitri from uh, good old Delaware who did shows at the local club. So we went from like... I'm I'm really grateful because I feel like we actually got the full experience. Like, Bishon and I went through the ringer of like... Sleep deprivation, hustling, handing out USBs like we got that chance. But funny enough, if I'm being completely honest, it was honestly none of that made a difference because nothing happened until we posted stuff online.
1: But yeah,
2: we got to go through it.
1: it, The interesting part was uh, when the whole getter thing happened where, um, you know, it was a little prank call that DeAndre did to getter and getter ended up posting like a wait screenshot. wait wait
0: run it back what the fuck happened with getter explain i think it was
1: 2016 um yeah. when uh, people there was a hate train going on about getter not liking rhythm and people oh, were boy. upset about it and somebody in the Philly scene that was in our group chat leaked his phone number and deandre saw the opportunity and he's like i'm not going to dox him i'm not going to you know be a bad person to him I'm going to message him the mixtapes. So that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what he did. Um, I, I called him. Yeah. I told
2: him I, I pranked him. I was like, hey, I, well, I, first I called him. And then when he picked up, I was actually kind of scared because I didn't know he would actually pick up or not. And then he said, hello. So I I, t- I said, hey, mom, you know, I'm ready to get picked up from school. I tried to try to play stupid like I was trying to call my mom to get picked up. And then he was yeah. like, "I don't wrong number, dude, whatever. I said, oh, so sorry, bro. And so as soon as I got up the phone, I text him and I said, um, hey, ma, like, I'm just going to catch a bus home or this is something I made at my after school program or whatever. And I sat him the mixtape and he liked it and he posted yeah. it, posted a screenshot and was like, hey, this is actually fucking fire. And then Dylan Francis was like, hey, yeah, it's pretty nice, man. <laughs> And so Vishal yeah, uh, took it we, upon himself.
1: There you go. We, we took a bunch of screenshots and we started posting it. I posted it in, on Reddit and like tw- Facebook and everything and uh, put in like tw- 20 bucks in ads. Uh, yes, And that kind of oh went off. Oh, my God. <laughs> Facebook and then ads. Facebook ads. And then uh, it blew up on Reddit, on the, on the EDM subreddits and stuff. <laughs> and uh, that's when like the, the local guys, the local promoters and stuff, they're they, they were like, hey, management looking for management actually i think um that's crazy during that time uh we were already making some noise online so uh we had a pro bono manager from australia bean
2: yeah yeah um
1: yeah and he he helped us you know with um we we used to go by bing bong first when we like oh okay and then he's like yeah might want to rebrand it or something and then bing bong days Disney there... came out with the movie Inside Out and had a character called Bing Bong. And we were like,
0: uh... it, it,
1: if if we ever get big off of this, they're going to come after us and be like, yep. nope. Yep.
2: It's
1: yeah. Like the, how they uh, came Vishal, out.
2: Yeah. Vishaw and I, like as soon as the getter thing happened, basically, I called Vishaw and I was like, bro, look online. Whatever is happening, so and so is happening, or such and such. And. Basically, we blew our load, our ID load. He, we had, like, 10 songs we'd been working on. We shall all put every single fucking one of those songs on SoundCloud all at once because we had attention. Yeah. And he made... I, on this, I'm pretty sure on the spot, you made 10 different artworks for each song. You had 1, 2, three, Bring It Back or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. We had, like, Keep It Trill or whatever. Like We had a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. He posted them all, and they all got, like, over 1,000 plays which was insane for us at the time to see a four figure number on our screens. And SoundCloud was like, "What? that's crazy.
0: So was this yeah, was- after the change to bandles or still when you were bing Bog?
1: No, this is after the change. Cause I remember like okay. we switched up and then we got a new logo made and stuff like the drippy at the time, because getter was so popular and he did the old drippy art style. Mm-hmm. We had a yeah. drippy bandles logo. Um, and Love it. we kind of like you know started putting that together and like we were f- trying to follow the at the time also marshmallow was blowing up and we were trying to copy that formula of you know independently releasing uh songs at proper intervals with like uh like a little bit of you know marketing going behind it and like simplistic art style and whatnot yeah which was yes, good because yeah. like i'm not like i wasn't good at making artworks but if it's simple enough it's like Sure,
2: yeah, absolutely. Shaw, you were the G. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was like simple stuff. So, like n- now that I, if I would look back at it, I'm like, okay, what well, what the fuck was this? <laughs> yeah. At you the know? time, that was legendary. At the, though. Yeah, at the time it was going because that's what the you know big dogs were doing. Yeah, so we had to copy whoever's the most popular in terms of like marketing and stuff.
2: So you now we paid proto. Sorry, but oh, no, I just remember something. We paid ProtoHype a hundred dollars. Oh shit! To, for a lesson? Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, it was like a it was like a marketing, not marketing. I forgot what it was, but yeah, we it paid was, in money. It was a so waste like... of
2: a hundred dollars in <laughs> a lot of ways, but at the same time, it wasn't because I remember we we paid around the same time we found out ProtoHype was giving lessons. Mm-hmm. And like, here's for anyone listening that's trying to build a career out of this crazy dubstep stuff. I'm gonna tell you what the most valuable thing you can do is get yourself in a conversation with with anyone that you think is on this like inner circle because like we paid a hundred dollars for like a music lesson whatever and like after five minutes of the 45 minute lesson he was like look guys like there's nothing i could really do for you musically but do you want to talk about like marketing and branding and stuff and in that respect that was the most valuable 45 minutes because he basically was like do this do this do this make sure you're in this people's peripheral you know get people's attention blah 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 but like just being able to have that conversation with him was like legendary and looking back on it now we do like consultations and lessons and stuff mm-hmm. and it's crazy to think like we we bought his service and it actually worked out so
0: well it comes like full circle yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, It
1: came full circle when, like, he DM'd us on Twitter saying, like, guys, stop commenting on every Instagram post. Because <laughs> that was a strategy, like, we were using for a little bit where, like, we would just, you know, comment something in reference to the, the post mm-hmm. to get uh, traction going and stuff. Uh, and he's like, yeah, stop doing that.
0: <laughs> so you, like, created your own bot pretty much, but you were acting as, like, the bot. No, no, it was, like,
1: like just me actually commenting on stuff and like
0: just engaging so people would see your media. name yeah
1: yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. it was kind of you know a good strategy but like
0: He's it's like, kind of also shit. annoying yeah well I mean I, I I mean that's really cool that you guys were so what year was that that you really came into grounds with prototype and and had that kind of interaction and then from there kept progressing was that like 2000 uh, there was there was 2016? no coming
2: into grounds we paid him a hundred dollars <laughs> uh, after that phone call he he didn't care like, I don't
0: give rightfully shit.
2: so rightfully so but you know, no
0: that's funny i was just telling um a kid who i give lessons to now that peekaboo was the first person who i paid a hundred dollars for a lesson from he is the there first guy but he did some of that stuff too where it was like okay like there's a lot of people i feel like a lot of aspiring artists don't understand it's like a huge like pizza and you got to like fill up all the pieces of the pizza in order oh, yeah. to like become successful like it's it's important to have the music i mean the music is the most important part but like you gotta have the branding you gotta have the content you gotta have something that's gonna either like make yourself relatable or engaging to the demographic and the people who are listening and like jamming out your music um yeah. so have you always done all of the art for bandles like all the way through to the point of you working with disciple shaw?
1: uh yeah kind of sort of um the independent releases because you know it's independent release we don't have like a big budget or anything it's the same reason why i got into making visuals and stuff because early on from early on we wanted to like keep most things in-house yeah. and you know because it all of that costs so much money uh i just kind of started learning that over time which like enabled me to you know pursue other things than just like music mm-hmm. um but yeah for the most part um we did everything in-house pretty much. That's
0: awesome. Including,
1: like, videos and stuff.
0: I mean, I definitely see that as a more commonality with a lot of people who are coming up independently as well and not just kind of, like, relying on, like, labels. Like, I look at Swarm and some of the mid-tempo guys, and, like, they really do everything in-house. And it's totally possible, like for for anybody whether they're like a duo act or like a singularity act uh and or if they have a team or not to learn like these programs to be able to cut the cost down to do their own artwork yeah. or do their own videos um would you say it was like a very endearing process or do you think it's totally possible if you were an up-and-coming artist to figure out how to do this shit on your own and not pay someone else
2: bro the less you pay for the freaking better because at the yeah. end of the day like you got to remember it's dubstep, it's, you know, EDM. Unless you have a fan base that's like super loyal to you, a lot of the times what you're building is you're building stuff for, you know, for people to listen to and then the shelf life of those tunes are not very big, so you have to kind of take that into consideration. It's kind of like <clears throat> like the you have to know that your value is in the whole package, so mm-hmm. you shouldn't take too much time on one individual thing when you're starting out. You just need to pretty much get people's attention. I'm sure Vishal can speak to that because he was the one designing a lot of the brand and like really comes down to what can I do so that people just pay attention to me? Cause there's so many people that want to do what you do. So you have to just kind of be like super yourself and just say, okay, well what, what is, what's going to make my life easiest um, while I'm trying to pump out as much content as possible. Mm -hmm. And most of the time spending like 75 to a hundred dollars on an artwork, it's, It's kind of it's going to hold you back if you're if you're capable of making a bunch of songs because then you're just dumping money into it. But everyone does it differently. That's just my perspective on it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's like there's no proper way of doing anything. There's no like set way of doing it. Obviously, you can follow formulas that have worked for other people, but it may not work for you because of your music and branding. So it's like there. So so you can try multiple things out, see what sticks and follow that formula. That would be like the easiest way to do it pretty much. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, So at what point did you guys get to the, Level where you know you were either approached by Disciple or you got an email to send music into Disciple that kind of started to establish your relationship today because I feel oh, like
2: man. yeah do it do it
0: I need to hear the story we, can well, I hear the story can we hear I wanna,
2: it I listen so, <laughs> so we signed with um we signed with our friend Dimitri mm-hmm. who's done leaps and bounds more than
1: he ever had to do for us he helped us out a lot
0: is he a manager uh, now.
1: No, okay. no. He Rossi. he. Also, you might know him from like High Caliber, the battleship. I was about to say, yeah. it's him.
0: Locked. Yeah, I know him. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> we had uh, Vishal used to play League of Legends with Matt from Barely Alive. I think they. How'd you guys meet, Vishal?
1: I think at one point they were um they were live streaming League of Legends or something like that where, uh. uh I have a. I had a friend, uh, Ron. He used to play League of Legends. I, who I used to play League of Legends with, and he found out that they were streaming, and he added them. And at one point, he just invited me to a Skype call when Skype was still around, and it was it was Matt from Barely Live, and then we kind of kicked it off, and like you know we started playing more and more, and yeah. we still do, unfortunately, but yeah, we we kind of built. <laughs> friendship over that and like you know started playing a lot of video games together he would like invite me to like come watch and make music and at the whole time i my goal wasn't to like you know to get anything out of it i was just looking for a friend to play league of legends with because most of my friends didn't play it
0: yeah Um, i didn't play
1: it i hate that game (laughs) as uh, it's 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 fair most people do i i do also um but yeah it kind of slowly built over time Uh. I remember barely alive was playing a festival in um, in uh, our neck of the woods, and we asked Matt if he could get Willie to like guest list us,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we yeah. went to a the festival. Then I think it was like our first time going to a festival like that. It was crazy a camping festival. Yeah, and and we got to see what Willie did. Like, they, this was like 2017, I think, okay. and we got to meet him in person. Nicest guy ever. And slowly we became friends with him also. And um, we just kind of started exchanging music and stuff at that point.
2: Yeah. He said uh, Matt was like showing Willie our stuff too and saying it's cool stuff. And then I, I'm paraphrasing a lot because there was a lot of like depression and self-doubt that went between point A and point B. You got to remember that. that oh, was, yeah. I was, at the time I was actually living in my girlfriend's basement, her parents' basement. And like, it was just not a good time. But I was writing music and stuff. And actually I had a PC that I put logic on, which was really stupid now that I think about it. But anyway, all right. I'm getting sidetracked. So at the time we had a meeting. I was at I'll never forget the meeting. I was in David Buster's. And we had a phone call with Rossi, who is known as Myro, and mm-hmm. he was the big boy. He ran disciple. He hit us up and basically was like, Hey guys. You guys have a lot of momentum right now. You guys are a hot act, you know. And this was before we had ever played a show. We actually, we had our first show ever booked, which was LA at Exchange playing for the Firepower Showcase.
1: Um, And we had, I think
2: that was after we released on Firepower, right? Yeah, it was was
1: right after. um, We got uh, hit up by um, Datsik and his team for an EP. Yeah. and so we that was, did
2: that we yeah. did that EP and we were like on top of the world and thinking we were all hot stuff and spending our money playing video games at Dave and Buster's but I digress from that we get on this call and he basically was like hey guys don't fuck this up because if you don't do something in the next 6 months then you're going to be re- it's going to be really hard to get this momentum back and what do we do nothing we do absolutely oh. nothing worthwhile for the next six months. We,
1: yeah, we, we thought like we're the hot shit. Like we didn't need any fucking labels. Ah, labels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, and then so fast forward to six months to a year, things not working out. I had already dropped out of school, Vishal dropped out of school. Vishal's mental health wasn't doing well. My mental health wasn't doing well. I go back to school. I'm like in school kind of, but I'm like not going to classes. And Vishal's like, "Listen, man, this isn't making much sense. Like, I gotta go figure stuff out. You know, do my thing." And uh, it was it was hard, man. Like, but I mean, we did Grave Dancer. That was something that happened before you left the first time, or yeah, that was left like at all.
1: Uh, there was like. Um right after our first tour we had our first yeah. official tour with zabor and we zabor? played about 20 something shows
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the most i think the most fun we've had doing the whole thing was like getting up uh at six uh, or four or five in the morning and you know we used to talk about this all the time we were like we would drive past the airport and we like one day we we'll going to the airport to go play shows yeah and it dude yes it and that's awesome that, for the whole tour and it was so good it was great we yeah. had the most fun we both went to each and every single show yeah we both um, both of, us, both of every, us everything was all both of us everything was together yeah um and at the end of the tour um uh, after playing these 20 odd shows we didn't make any money at all no we, we owed <laughs> yeah. money
0: and that's the harsh we, reality we, yeah. dimitri
2: dimitri told dimitri literally was like don't do this together because you're going to be wasting so much money. And what do we do? We did it together. All the pro- profits we would have made went into travel, food, everything for both of us. And we didn't make any money. But after that, um, where we left off was, was exactly what Rossi told us. Rossi was like, make sure you do something. Like, Don't be stale. Next thing you know, we have no money we have uh <laughs> virtually no momentum on the project and uh yeah and we i remember I'll, i distinctly remember and again this is not bashing anyone this is just you know this is circumstance and i don't blame anyone for the circumstance we were in but i was talking to Dimitri. we had a call with uh eric silver and basically eric was like i don't know what to do for you guys <laughs> like there's nothing i could really do like um you guys because we asked Eric to come on um, through management and like be part of the team and help us kind of like rebuild with uh, Eric Quadrado and stuff. And like, they were basically like, yeah, like we, we got nothing for you, man. Like we don't know what to do for you. And to their credit, like we didn't do anything for ourselves. So there's nothing really they could have done for us. Um, And at that point, Vishal was like, I just got to go back to school and I probably should have gone back to school too. But um, I stayed, kept doing singles and offshoots and, eventually, um, got an offer through United Talent, which is really cool. Um, so I started doing shows with like Hesh and Bomber, um, mm-hmm. who at the time were also with United Talent, uh, but still managed under Silver. Yeah. Um, it was, Dancer yeah all the Grave yeah. dancer
0: crew people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. I think that, I think that I was really depressed when that was going on because yeah. I had I didn't have my best friend as part of my project but also like um I didn't really get along with a lot of those guys I do now which I'm really grateful for and mm-hmm. fucking chilling chilling with those guys is probably like my favorite thing to do while I'm touring now so don't yeah. get it twisted but but at the time I just didn't get along with them I mean I I didn't smoke weed which was 90% of it probably but like it was just really lonely, like touring with those guys, and then eventually, um, my agent Jake Bernstein also said the same thing. He's like, "I got nothing for you, man. Like, I don't know what to Holy do. Like, shit. there's no demand. Like, there's yeah. nothing, you know." So, full circle, Vishal, tell him how we basically, uh, we talked to Rossi and what
0: a journey. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it was. It um, was
2: interesting, man. Yeah, it no, was, but it was thank definitely you for thank
0: you for talking about that because people. Don't, so many aspiring producers and I know UV Shaw's and AR deal with it and you guys both deal with it from just I can't imagine how much promo you guys get from all of these artists all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like so many people want to do this and they like either turn to blind eye or they, you know, don't understand the back end and the experiences that most of these artists go through and the journey yeah. they go through up negative 100 to come back to zero was,
1: and yeah you, you know real. it's a really good point because uh i whenever i get demos and if i have something to like if i have to reject them i try my best to not come off negative and like de- not demeaning but like demotivating because we know how it feels to get rejected over and over again yeah. <laughs> for demos um because yeah. that that's how we started we used to send the music to this channel called dubstep um on soundcloud and they rejected every single one of her demos until we did our firepower ep and we put out one of the tracks from that from from that ep and it was one of the biggest songs they had yeah going back to the demos like i tried to make sure that they know it's not you know it's not the end because yeah you do a really good job of that man in an early stage for people to realize that it, just because you get rejected doesn't mean it's the end you keep going you you can't stop Absolutely. otherwise you know what are you going to do in life if this is what you want to chase you got to keep going you really got to yeah. keep going and that's you can't exactly what do happened this for
2: me. the wrong reasons you have to do it cuz you,
1: you, your identity is
2: this like it's so it's interesting cuz i always tell people that you know your your mental health will suffer if you forget that you're not your project like you mm-hmm. know you're Lizzie Jane but like at the same time you're you're a person like outside of your project i'm yeah. i'm yandre i'm not bandals that's not who i am completely and like it's really important to remember that but like it's really hard to not internalize all of the bad stuff that happens to you along the way because mm-hmm. there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens man like people don't see the people don't see the struggle they don't see when your cat pukes on your rug they don't like they don't they don't see all that bad stuff
1: man yeah, there's, and there's and a lot of bad exactly, stuff along the way and exactly was the reason why i left because I didn't, you know, um, talk about my issues, talk about problems, talk about the, the things that we needed to talk about. I kind of swept it under the rug and it got me to a really bad mental health place where I had to just completely quit the project. And I wasn't even going to come back. I was just focusing on myself. And it's, it's weird because after quitting the two, three months, I was very, very depressed, even more than I was before and yeah. um it kind of brought me like how you said to that minus negative 100 and i had to put myself in that position to you know start figuring out life and you know started working out do the did the whole self-help thing and it really mm. improved re- really improved myself and i'm kind of slowly getting back into that deeper end again right now because of what's going on you know yeah. the world's crazy being on social media all the time. It's really toxic. So I'm trying to fix that again, and I think I can. um, But, yeah, it's really important to, like, just keep going, I guess. Otherwise, you know, uh, you'll have to go pick up a 9-to-5 that you actually won't like.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I I feel like keeping the main focus in mind of the reason why you're doing this, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, even before the pandemic, The intention of why they're doing it is not for the right reasons Mm. And I feel like the back end and and not being short-sighted about it Is always going to end in a disappointment if you're not doing it for yourself and you're not doing it because this is your passion But what you said deandre like like and i've done that too I'm, like oh well like this is my passion like I am my career And I think when you're fortunate to be able to do what you love for a living a lot of people combine those two facets and they forget like oh, hey, like, you should probably have a hobby other than, like, making music. Like, my mom for Christmas, she was like, Lizzie, like, you only asked for music stuff. I'm like, yeah, because that's all I want. And she's like, you don't want anything else? And I'm like, no, not really. And it's, like, (laughs) that harsh reality of, like, uh, you know, you should have other interests and like you yourself as an entity is different from the project that you love and and it's like setting those boundaries but I feel like you have to go through like rough patches and experience in those like journeys to figure out like oh like this is what I'm supposed to be doing like I am supposed to be and like it's just it's just wild but so Vishal you left the project you you were with UTA for a bit and then reconvened there. So then what happened after that point uh, where it was like, fuck?
2: Uh, the, there was a big, <laughs> I, I feel like I could talk about this now because we're cool now, but like okay. there was a big hubbub of like where, where it went downhill with UTA was I was playing my first ever like festival show thing. It was something called Bloom 2, and it's in Salt Lake City. And it's a really, really cool show. Big festival stage indoors. Um, I was doing a back-to-back with Bomber, and I had the same USB stick as Bomber. We both had a a USB cruise or whatever, the SanDisk ones, the little red ones. Everyone has them. Yeah. So they get mixed up.
0: I think we all have them. Yeah. Yeah, we all (laughs) have them. (laughs) We've
2: all been there. Um, They get mixed up, and uh, we realize after we're already in our respective connecting flights, because we both had shows the next day that weren't back-to-backs.
1: Oh, um, shit.
2: And I hit him up and I was like, hey man, like I think we swapped and he was freaking out because he didn't have any of his music backed up and the guy's a fucking legend. You got to understand, Bomber, when he DJs, it was so weird doing it back-to-back with him because he's a he sweetheart. doesn't use, he's a sweetheart, but he doesn't use any record box. He doesn't use any, any time-coded memory, anything. The guy's a fucking, he's a magician as far as I'm concerned. That's why He's wild. chopping and he's slicing. Yeah, and so anyway, um I didn't know this at the time, but he told me, he's like, I don't have record box, bro. I literally have none of my songs. So I was like, okay. Um and so I told him I don't need mine. I have mine. I have backup USBs, etc. And I sent him uh, you know what Mediafire is? Yep. Like a Mediafire link. Yeah, I sent like him a Mediafire said- like, "Here, I got you. Here's all your stuff off your flash drive." And for some reason he took that as, dude, why'd you download my music? And I was like, I'm trying to help you. We're in a you know, we're in a tough spot. He's like, No, just ship it to me. Like, there's no reason to download my music. And I didn't realize, but in like the, the rhythm, it's like community, the dub play culture. Like, yeah, you never do yeah. that. You, exactly. You're not supposed to do that apparently. Wow. And so okay. it was a big hubbub and he eventually we got uh, his manager involved, his name his manager's Air Quadrado, another sweetheart, who only was trying to help. And so it turned into DeAndre stealing Zach's music and he's a thief oh, and DeAndre no. is the, and I was the, already didn't get along with these guys. Yeah. Um, the only guy I really like, super connected with was, was Mike Blunts and Blondes. Mike, like, he was like a mile then, away from
0: me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the boy, man. That's the boy. But it, it was, it was an interesting situation and me being the awkward potato that I was, I didn't know how to handle it. So I was like, listen, man, like, I'm not trying to steal your rhythm plates. He got got so mad when I said, like, I'm not trying to steal your rhythm plates. But I thought that's what people call them, like, the things you don't share. Yeah. It was was just not a good situation. Again, we're cool now. Okay, cool. And I understand what I did wrong. And hopefully he understands that he was just being an ass at the time. Yeah. But it's whatever. And then, so after that, basically, it was like a, a light switch. I stopped getting booked on, like, any UTA shows. Which... Jake Bernstein, one of the sweetest guys ever too. Like, to be honest, there was absolutely no demand for bandals at the time. Like, yeah. there was no reason to book bandals because there wasn't much good music. There wasn't a lot of hype. Like, we weren't gonna sell tickets. So I there's it's totally my fault from the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, I remember hitting up Rossi uh and being like, yo, like, what do I do, man? Yeah, <laughs> like, like holy I, fuck. And then Rossi, uh, this was the first time we talked to Rossi. This was before I really knew um, that Vishal was interested in coming back to the project. Um, but we hit up Rossi after as well. Um, so that's a totally different conversation. But I remember hitting up Rossi being like, what do I do? And he was basically like, you got to do damage control. You always have a home at Disciple, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then, fast forward a few months, Vishal's interested in getting back in the project. We have this huge, we, we go to Buffalo Wild Wings. We're both crying oh, in the middle of Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> talking about how we did all this shit wrong and, and like, we're in bad the mental moment. state. And yeah. the moment, it was, it was yeah. very,
1: it was very, like, genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm, I, I wanna see if I still have that.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. We gotta see.
1: <laughs> I I had a written, oh. all, I written out the whole thing. That's amazing. Uh, and then we went over I read it. I started crying reading it. And that was good. Um and that's when like we, were, we started the whole project again. We were gonna reintroduce me and like
2: mm-hmm.
1: bring back bandals for yeah. uh, what we started it with and um real bandals. We kinda pitched that idea to, you know, um we still were weren't with disciple at the time we we're yeah. still you know in the transition uh well we, we weren't even talking about moving and we were just gonna start doing the independent thing again that we were doing years before and we pitched this idea to everyone like everyone that was in the team and they're like okay cool let's see what you can do and then it's just like it, we tried and it just did, didn't you know get anywhere so um we're like yep. we, we we us two went to rossi again we're like Hey, what do we do? And then at the, at this point we've had so many calls with the Rossies like, look guys, uh, I, I don't want to keep doing this. I love to help you guys, but I uh, Yeah, need- unless you guys <laughs> are ready to commit. To you something. need
0: to make a decision. Yeah. Basically
2: yeah. he was like Come to the cycle, please and stop wasting my time. It was it was a very it was a very deliberate conversation. And we were like, Okay, let's fucking go.
1: Yeah, so we we literally I signed um the new management contract Christmas Eve. I I remember like it was me, DeAndre and Emily. We we were in the in the in Dimitris upstairs one of the, one of the rooms that you were staying in and yeah. and then we mm-hmm. signed oh, the God. contract Christmas Eve. And um yeah. you've been with Disciple uh-uh. ever since.
0: That's amazing. What Okay, so what year was this? Was like this 18, 19. Uh, end of
1: 2018.
0: 18, okay.
1: Wait, uh, uh, end of 2019, sorry end of 2019 i, I, I okay. keep forgetting cool. we're already in 2021
0: dude what a fucking journey i literally had oh no idea i'm <laughs> no so I'm so, <laughs> I'm so See, happy i'm so happy i had no idea about. like, this
1: like is what i'm talking about like all the funny stuff we do online is different than what we are in real life it's not yeah it doesn't always correlate like you're, obviously it's like a, it's like common sense to like realize that you know people celebrities whatever they what they portray online is not 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. never the same as what they do in real life
0: absolutely you know? and and, um, and it's like while you guys are like still funny as fuck like you're you're funny human beings like everybody has both sides everybody goes through oh yeah. their fucking shit and like i think a really important thing like a thing with i that i struggle with too is like I feel like most artists, especially when they're in the position that I'm in, you're like, I need to get to UTA. I need to get to Paradigm. I need to get yeah. to these big players. And like realizing that that might not be the fit for you is like uh, not like a harsh reality because it's like your mind almost goes like, oh, like, are you not good enough for them? Like, is it X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. da, da, da. But a lot of people don't understand that like when you're thrown into like a non-boutique, very corporative agency you're like this small fish in this really 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 big sea and I feel like you see all these people on these bigger agencies but you don't see the other three-fourths of artists that are signed that get little to no attention and little to no bookings and then they just end up disappearing and it's like what would you say to those kids? Like even to me, like sitting in this position where you're like, that's my goal, but like it may not be the right thing for me and you're not supposed to, you shouldn't rush to get there because if you I'll rush... T- you I'll
2: get- tell you what I would say. Yeah. And yeah. It's something that took us a really fucking long time to figure out, but the music industry, <clears throat> the music industry is 99% of the time, it's a battle of leverage. So the yeah. p- it, it really comes down to... Um, you're not going to want to do it it's going to suck because you're an artist you, you know you're you're kind of a, a free spirit and you're wanting to create and share your whatever but really what it comes down to is you got to be an adult when it comes to what you're actually selling mm-hmm. and really if you can't give up all the leverage it's all about leverage everything you see happen in the music industry most of the time has to do with okay someone's providing value for someone else in a way that they couldn't before and it's it's good that it works that way because at the end of the day it's like the people that really work hard to provide their value and be and help bring that value to other people are the people that succeed. So, um, like you said, everyone's rushing to get on the agency and stuff. But like if you're not in a situation where you're ready for that, then you might be on that agency for a year, get forgotten about, never get any bookings, and then next thing you know, there's no reason for anyone to book you because you lost all your momentum in your project. It's yep. the same thing as like if you hire a manager or an agent and you sit around waiting for them to do everything um when you have no leverage on the project, like it's gonna hurt you. But
0: absolutely. Um, and I mean I think it's important too that people realize that like as an artist, like of course you see artists that are definitely their career is more so determined by their manager and agent. Like you're not sure where that like switch happens, but it does at one point I've seen it with like larger artists, but like you as the artists are supposed to be like leading the ship. Like, it's your, like, vision and, like, these are the people on your ship working for you trying to create your vision. And that's why it's so important not to be like, oh, like, I need a manager. I need an agent. Like, da-da-da. Because most of the stuff, it's important that you learn how to do this shit on your own before you even have a team to do it for you on a larger scale. And it's like...
1: Yeah, it's very important.
0: You know? And it's like, at what point did you, Vishal, start... Making that transition into being like, okay, I'm going to do more than just be part of Bandles on Disciple. I'm going to step into this hat of being an A&R and step into this hat of doing art for them and like X, Y, and Z.
1: Well, that was definitely an interesting switch because um, I remember after we signed to Disciple, um, the the plan was to pretty much move to LA and be with the team, and everyone was here and we were going to do fun things. Um, So we were just about to do our first ep on roundtable after signing to roundtable we're mm-hmm. we're gonna do the bring back the 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 bandles project uh and while the project was going on rossi was uh handling the label um at the time and he saw me he i, I pretty much annoyed him to the point where he's like hey uh you seem like a label manager type do you want a job uh managing doing roundtable stuff pretty much yeah because i used to bug him about small little details like put this this is in the description please make sure you include this 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 and he was like okay this is what a label manager does and at the time i had you know i didn't have any like interest in it or anything but Mm -hmm. i was kind of resistant to that at at first and deandre was like you should definitely do this and yeah um it, it was one of the things that you know, uh, I had to learn, obviously, but it was kind of already built in because I was so nitpicky about certain things mm-hmm. that keeping everything on brand, uh, having social media is on point, having, you know, the SoundCloud upload, having the description on point where you can it's easier for people to find you. That kind of added to the fact that, you know, um, I could do this job as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they brought me on the team. They offered to, you know, like pay us in advance so that we could move out uh to LA earlier, which which you know ended up working out. And here we are. In yeah
2: advance. I forgot about that. That's yeah, um, really I mean, sick. Money's like money is like a really dirty word in this industry for some reason. But to be quite honest, if you shot didn't take that job with the record label, we wouldn't be able to afford to come to LA. That was like like the biggest thing of like, oh my God, we're gonna go to LA and eat beans out of a can. And then next thing you know, he gets offered the job. We're like, nope, we're going to be okay. Like, we're, <laughs> we're going to yeah, be just fine. like
1: At the time, like, you know, we weren't even like, you know, playing shows that often or anything. So it wasn't like we were going to have some income from shows. Yeah. Um, it was like a few shows here and there. But like, you know, it was, it's not enough to have two people, uh, three people move out to L.A. And, you know, yeah. um. Live for six months without, you know, going bankrupt or coming back. So we we had a plan in place where we we're gonna save for a longer time, and you know, mm-hmm. when we have that much money, we would be able to easily move without any issues. Yeah.
2: Bless your sister's heart. At the time, Vishal was living with his sister and his mom, and they let me stay in their basement, and they fed me, and they didn't charge me rent. And every single day, it was get up at four thirty eight. I swear to God, I am not kidding. I'm fat now, but I wasn't fat then. Trust me. (laughs) Every single day at 4.30 a.m. This was our our schedule for about four or five months, okay? Get up at 4.30, go to the fucking gym, get back home, eat breakfast, watch the office, and write music. And it was literally all day until 5 p.m. It was every single day besides the weekends. But Every single day that was a work day, that was our schedule every single day, and that's what we do. And then, somehow, miraculously, my beautiful, amazing girlfriend I convinced her to move to LA with me. God bless her heart. Don't know why she did it, but I'm really glad she did. And now we're here. That's but amazing. it was a long road, and then I'm fat again. And
0: that's okay. <laughs> no, fat, you're happy. happy. <laughs> that's all that matters. But yeah, like, well, you took it into your own hands as like a job. And it's like, if you were working a job anywhere else, you would be working a nine to five or you would be yeah. working at least 40 hours a week. So it's like, people don't understand that this is a job and and more likely than not, you are going to and should be working more than 40 hours a week. Like if you really love what you're doing. And b- before like a pre-COVID area, you know, everyone wanted to be in LA. Like LA was yeah. the place that like shit happened. So it's like, yeah. What's your take on that? Because I was told from like, <laughs> I mean, I look at Mike, I look at Blunts and Blondes and like, I get it. Like Alex Shamback is a fucking wizard. Like his agent is fucking great. Like certain things happen to fall in line with his career to like plant to where he's at now. But like I looked at that and I'm like, why the fuck would I live out of a box when I could live here in a house and have a student yep. and be comfortable and still do fairly well opposed to going to LA where I really didn't know anyone in my sub industry. Like I did Foley sound and I worked with like Pixar and did other shit when I got out of school, but like going into a club, I would know fucking anybody. So it's like, what, what is your value there of being in LA? Because the other side of it is like all of disciples there. You guys are all there, you know, like, is Never Say Die mostly there. Like, there's certain labels that are convened in Los Angeles.
2: All right, I'm going to keep it 100% real with you. All right, all right, go, go, go. Thank you. I want to get the fuck out of (laughs) here. And I'll tell you why. Okay. LA, we're not really city people, right? Yeah. We came here to be with our friends, make it happen, sit in the studio, shoot the shit, you know, make connections. And we did that. Um, But at this point, it's we're ready to get the fuck out because with COVID being the way it is, there's no reason to be here and we're mm-hmm. paying ridiculous an, a ridiculous amount in rent. And I'm not here to BS you. I'll be, you know, I'll be, I could sit here and say LA, the sunshine, the studios, being around the opportunity. Fuck that, man. At this yeah. point, it's time. It's time to save some money and get out. So
1: it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is like good weather and stuff, but, We don't even go outside at this point because it's like you can't go outside. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild out there. People are fucking killing each other. And there's just homeless people all over the place. uh, And you can't go do anything. Everything's expensive. Chick-fil-A is not the same. It's not (laughs) not the same. Honestly, it's uh, not. It's a scam here. The Chick-fil-A here is more expensive and they don't put in as much love. As they, they don't do tell the you my country. pleasure. I swear to God, I've never been to a Chick Fil A oh where when you, when you
2: ask for something and they don't say my pleasure. And that's, yep,
0: that's the yep. L.A. Chick Fil A is the no but you know pleasure. I, but
2: you could everyone's everyone's tensions are running high. Oh, everyone's absolutely, trying to get the bag. You know, um, I you know right now our current plan is to spend some time outside of L.A. for the next lease term that we're going to uh, sign here in a little bit mm-hmm. and save a little bit of money. Yep. But um, moral of the story, if you don't have a reason to be in L.A., you probably shouldn't be here. It's the same as any city. If there's no reason to move to New York, don't go to New York. If there's no reason to move to Orlando, don't move to Orlando. Like, it's... Especially it right matter. now. Yeah. yeah. Especially Nothing's right now. I still see anything. people
0: moving to L.A. in the middle of a fucking pandemic where y'all are closed. Like, and I'm just yeah. like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't know what you think is going to happen for you out there. Like, yeah. and like 10 times out of like 10, I see most people go out there and like, they don't understand the cost of living. And then they have to get a job where they're sacrificing the time that they were spending on their craft previously. And it's like, holy shit. Um, but yeah. So thank you for elaborating on that.
2: I... I had a, fr- okay, this is another good topic for this conversation. Okay. And his, he goes by Straxo. His name's Steven. Actually, okay. I have a, a song coming out. Hey, hey. Oh, dope. Um, but anyway, he, he, we were talking about like motivation stuff. And I was like, dude, if you're having a hard time, because he had to like take care of an errand that he's been putting it off. And I was like, bro, wake up, make your bed. And as soon as you make your bed, ask yourself, do I want to keep being successful today? Blah, blah, blah. You know, self help bullshit. Yeah. He just texted me. He said, I made my bed. I brushed my teeth and I got my picture frames, which is the errand he had to run. And he got lunch with his brother. So claps for Steven. Claps Good for job, Steven. Steven.
0: Good job, Steven.
2: Good I job. I'm proud of you, brother.
0: Uh, but it's, it's, you need that person sometimes. Like I have one person like that. And it's like, especially right now, like I was just talking with Vishal, like uh, before we started recording and it's like, our, like, breed is not designed, even if you're an introvert, not to be around people. Like, it's not yep. designed to be, like, okay, we're going to go into, like, solitary confinement. Like, I don't need to see the light of day and then talk to another uh. human. And, like, I just couldn't imagine, because, like, I'm in Florida, so I'm about the polar opposite of opposite of where you guys are in every which way. And, yeah. and um, you know, I just couldn't imagine being somewhere where, like, the gyms have been closed since March and like this has been and like you guys don't even have outside dining like I have we have some family friends who own some restaurants out there and like they were talking about how they sunk like 200 grand into building an outdoor area with the circulation and the heaters and like all of that shit and just to be told that it's no longer allowed. And it's like,
2: yeah, people are really struggling, man. Yeah, people, people out here are really struggling.
0: I I feel like it's like, it's like that out there probably more so than most places in like the U S and you can only hope like when this transition happens, cross my fingers peacefully in like 10 days. Um, Check
2: your mic. I think your mic turned off.
0: Oh, did you get it? Oh shit. Yeah. My bad. He's probably been trying to talk and I haven't been able to hear him.
2: No, no, no. He just did. He just did. Okay.
0: Okay. No, thank you. You got a
2: cool little studio space there. Can you give us a, 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 a look?
0: So I can give you a look. However, this is... So I just kicked all my roommates out and I'm building my legitimate... Acoustic treated studio let's in go. my room. So okay, so I actually like it. Just came into my mind that I literally don't even have my webcam hooked up. So this is going to be the little tour. Hopefully, I don't fucking knock everything over. So right now, I have everything like taken down. I have this little space, and then I got my green Yo, that's screen. That's
2: a big ass scarlet I've never seen a yeah, scarlet that big. It's, what
0: the it's hell? Eighteen inputs and outputs, and then I got my CDJs and I got my lights. So like right now, oh, I'm in this where it's like it's honestly pretty easy to make everything happen but I can't produce on like I have Yamahas and I can't produce with them because like I don't have a treated room like these pads are honestly like probably five cents a pad but I got a legitimate like I think I got primal acoustics like padding and I have bass traps now and like diffusers and shit so I'm really excited The next time I do, I have must-eye coming on the podcast in two weeks. And by that time, I'll have my new desk and my new room and like everything fucking ready. that's what I'm
2: talking about. So
0: yeah, I'm excited to just like immerse myself. And I was just talking, you know, we were talking about your stream schedule and um, like I'm going to start, you know, it's just going to be way easier to stream very consistently. But like is streaming something you've been doing throughout COVID to like, like tell me the positive benefits that you found from streaming because i know most artists i talk to like are like way gung-ho on it or they're like i'm literally pulling my teeth to stream."
2: i'm pretty gung-ho the 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 reason being um it does take a lot out of me mentally i'll be honest but um i set out to start streaming to make a little bit of side income Uh, i charge people to do feedback you know i have subscribers to make some money blah 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 but really what it's turned into and some of the guys can attest to this. Um, combined with the Discord server, it's become a real platform for people who have a creative vision and are having a really hard time figuring out what they want to do. And what I really like about it is, um, at the same time as everyone having a place to kind of like talk and, and gather and just kind of like meet people of similar mindsets, it's been a really good place for people to kind of like unload mentally. And I didn't really realize this, but. Um, along with what I said about leverage in the music industry, you also have to remember that you have to know what you're providing, the value you're giving to people. Because mm-hmm. sometimes that could be a cool song, but sometimes it could be a cool performance. Sometimes it could be a cool uh, experience or something to be a part of. And when it comes to streaming, I've found that what you're really giving people isn't necessarily me talking bullshit for three hours, which I, no one should pay to see that. But really, what it comes down to is a space where people can feel like they have someone. And during COVID, it really has shown me that the value in streaming is to really be the leader and show people, okay, this music thing, yes, it's very competitive. But in times like this, you start to realize that you really need to stick together with your peers. Um, And I think if it wasn't for that aspect of it, I don't think I would still do it. I think that... The positive feedback I've gotten from people telling me how it's affected their lives and affected their ability to kind of like think and create. Like, I think that's the most important part of it. Um, But to be completely honest, from a financial standpoint, as long as you stay consistent with it, it could also be a really good way to make a little bit of extra cash to pay your bills on the side, um, which it has been for me. It's just a matter of figuring out how to monetize things and figuring out what people actually want how you could give people the most value.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's just like, I feel like it's just like, you know, producing. It was like something that was really cool. And then it became like very almost oversaturated like two months into like COVID. Everyone was consistently streaming the stream schedule. So it's the way you put it is a great description of it of creating that space. And I also feel like it gives you that time to be able to relate to people like one-to-one and see them totally. chatting with you in real time and it's like this level of shit that you don't get from touring and you don't get from like l- you know live streaming on instagram or like any Even, of that yeah. shit there's so nothing more cool. humbling
2: than talking to someone who is in the same situation you were two years ago yeah and like trying to build a career you know that's really well, I also really feel
0: like people appreciate that more than anything especially to have somebody of like your caliber somebody who's actually doing it to give it advice to somebody who's like aspiring to do it um is is really cool because i've been in that position too and you really just greatly appreciate when the person takes you know the time out of their day whether you know you're charging them or not whatever to like give you experience because experience is something that you like can't read out of a fucking textbook
2: yeah Um, totally
0: so like Obviously now everybody wants to fucking do this still. I don't really know why but they still do and and with the influx of bass music and like this new age music that I think is so fucking cool that we've gotten out of this pandemic Because I feel like it's not like it was like getting stale But like y'all have your sound like you guys have like the sound influence with you know reggae stuff and and these different like sub genres and what would you say is most important to an up-and-coming producer trying to find their sound? Would you say it's more important for them to wait until, you know, they have their sound or to experiment and see what people react to, you know?
2: I feel like people just need to stop worrying about stepping on other people's toes. Yeah. Like, it, I feel like a lot of a lot of producers, especially younger producers, go into this worrying about what other people will think if they do X, Y, or Z. Like, oh, if I use this splice loop, what's going to, what's someone going to say? They're going to notice it, or if I use this preset, like, who gives a fuck, man? At the end of the day, like, you're here to create your own vision, turn it into a project. If you have an idea and it stems from something that you think someone would look at oddly, just remember, I heard a puppy. You heard just a remember, puppy. Oh, yeah. Just remember that, like. Every single thing that turned out to be unique and awesome is going to like has scared people and there were always detractors. There were people telling Chigilix that there was nothing in the world he could do to make people listen to the music that he was making. Like you have to now make music him, yeah. for the for the child inside of you, so to speak. It's like mm-hmm. and and remember that like I don't know, man, like your whole purpose when you're doing music is to create something that has to do with you. And by golly, if that includes taking Virtual Riot presets number two for serum and making a fucking banger out of it, then fucking do it, man. Like, don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like just like nowadays with like how social media is, it's just so easy to let that like toxicity and that like inner voice in your head that like is that like self-doubt like dude i'm literally it's just gotten so bad and i understand it co-aligns with us being inside it co-aligns with the political shit going on in our country right now and it's like it really i feel like it really just ramped up and fucking exploded this past week i remember and it's so hard because it's like our parents can't relate to us because like this shit wasn't around during the time when our parents were our age. So I feel like we're almost like these like guinea pigs that really have addictions to their phone. I'll notice it too. And I'm literally like, have a huge list of shit I have to get done. And I'm like, dude, get off your fucking phone. Like (laughs) stop looking at your notifications. Like go do something. And you get in these rabbit holes of just like, negativity and then it, by the time you look up your day's like ruined like the energy yep, yeah. that you had is ruined and it sucks because I feel like looking at like the EDM community I mean not only bro like where's the fucking plur like where <laughs> where'd it go like where'd I don't I don't know like where it's at right now but this was like half the reason why I left metal music was to come to here where people were like nice to each other yeah. and it's just really sad like having students be like yo on the real like this scares me because i don't want people to come at me like this like i don't want people and it's like no matter what it is it's just i feel like people are like mad at the world right now but there's almost some like reframing that we have to do in our mind to put something into place when we have that temptation to like go down the fucking twitter hole and like go down whatever like what do you guys do
1: I think what DeAndre was saying earlier which was um trying to be yourself uh mm. and have that as your like brand and stuff it's not that easy to do anymore because you have to be a certain way you have to say a certain things yeah. in order to please everyone uh otherwise you know people are not going to give you attention and and so on and I think it's important that like if if this keeps happening everyone's projects are going to be almost the same in in the near future. I know. Uh, which is why I think it's really important that, I, I don't want to say like fans need to lay off, but fans need to fucking lay off <laughs> a little bit. Like give people breathing room. Uh, yeah. Not constantly. It, it's just a constant war of putting out as much content as you can. Otherwise you go out of relevancy. It's, it's really sad almost because most people, Producers, most DJs are not content creators. They make content sure. But the, their best work comes from like months and months of putting work into something. For example, an EP. That's their content. But now you're forced to be a comedian on Twitter. You need to be look really good on Instagram. You need to be yep. really good at marketing. So it's it's gone to the point where People need to value the the music more than they do the branding, um, and I feel like we should try and move in that direction, but I'm not sure how exactly.
2: Yeah, it's- the market and the market dictates it. The market's yeah. like mm-hmm. again, like everyone I hate to to drop the business bomb, but like at the end of the day, the market's going to dictate a lot of what these guys are doing, and a lot of people are not either not self-aware of it. Or they don't like to talk about it, or they don't like to admit it. But like, everyone remembers festival trap era, and mm. they all remember the Jack U era. They remember the the big room house times, and you notice that like certain DJs that wouldn't normally produce those songs wouldn't produce those songs. They would try to tap into different markets and blah blah blah. But like from a business sense, the market will dictate what pe- what a lot of people do, and like. Me being a fan of electronic music, I try to keep that into consideration mm-hmm. because I could think of myself as a hive mind. I could think of myself as part of the plur community, and like I'm part of the dubstep community, and we're one big happy family. But like I'm an individual, and like my actions affect—they um, affect what goes on, on a, in a big way. Like you have to remember that your individual actions affect a lot of people. And it's the result of a bunch of people doing the same things or having the same thought patterns that make the industry the way it is. So, I think I think instead of, um, I agree with Vishal. I think the fans and just people in general on social media need to kind of you know chill out a little bit. But really, what it comes down to is the only thing you can control is worry about yourself, worry about how you're presenting yourself, and worry about just giving not giving people such a hard time. You know, there's a lot of people that have really hard lives and like they're struggling with a lot mentally, but then what they do is they keep that, that cycle going yeah. by putting that on someone else. And if you do that, then that person's going to put it on someone else. And it just takes one person. It takes one individual to say, you know what? I'm not going to be a dick today. If that one, if that person wants to use the fucking heavy base design sample, fucking do it, man. If that makes you happy, fucking do it. Like, it, it just—it's an individual thing, and I think we get caught up in the whole like mob mentality on social media these Absolutely. days.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's just like it's so hard for me. Two things. It's so hard for me to realistically. Ninety-eight percent of these people would never say what they would say through the screen of their ever, phone. Ever. Exactly. Somebody. Thank and you. and it's like I know this is like I don't know. We've talked about controversial shit on other podcasts, so it's whatever. I don't care. Um. I can't wait to like think about where these artists are going to be at when like a year from now they're all in the same artist lounge and half of these artists tried to get the other half canceled. And it's like, oh, and it's yeah. like, yeah. and it, and it's just like I was, when I was talking to like mode the other day and it's like, these artists should be, we're the only industry that doesn't have like a union. We're not unionized. And, yeah. and I get that, that there's other, you know, facets where there are unions and you kind of go out of electronic dance music and you've got these bigger labels and bigger corporations that oversee a lot of it. But in my mind, it, even though it may not be a realistic take, but you would like to think that the artists would like to stick together and see the other artists succeed. And and yeah. be there for the other artists and it's really sad that this like isn't the case right now And I love that with like disciple and with all of these newer labels coming up like halicon and and uh, You know a few others that are started by artists and they're ran by artists and I think that's what needs to happen going into the future, but it just like sucks thinking about it because no one would ever say this to their face. Like you're not gonna get ex DJ that comes up to other ex DJ and is like, oh, you wanna say this? Like you wanna say this shit to my face now? Like in rap music, they literally fight (laughs) each other. They literally go and each other. So it's like and then you look at EDM and it's like Twitter war on Twitter fingers. (laughs) Twitter
1: fingers. And it's just it's uh, that and the fake positivity where people are like Constantly being positive, but secretly they're not, they're you know, they're miserable. talking shit about them. It's that yeah. toxic yeah. positivity, man. Yeah. yeah. And it, that I, also is a big part of
0: like, Twitter.
1: And, I feel uh,
0: like it was like a, like a cleanse almost when the pandemic started. It was like, okay, we're, everybody's getting taken off the touring circuit. Everyone's going to be at home. And we got all these new artists that popped up. And for the first time ever, I felt like I was hearing music that was not only like innovative, but had the potential to take the place of like the people who hold the headlining slots. I was like, wow, these yeah. are like real cohesive bodies of fucking work. This isn't just like a, a, a kick in a snare leading up to a fucking drop with the same sound over and over again. Like this is yeah. vocalists and composition and a lot of cinematic movement and like shit that I could hear in video games and film that have been taken into like the realm of bass music and whether it's like phone on putting out fucking polyrhythm and time signatures or shit. That's like almost like not listenable, but it's really cool that they were able to do this and bring this into this like hemisphere to keep kind of making our bubble grow bigger. And it's just like, ugh. Now we're here, and I'm like, how did we get here? Because I felt yeah. like it was this cool cleanse where we got people on the playing board, like Control Freak gone on UTA. Like, I loved seeing these artists that were just really fucking fire producers getting picked up in a time where there were no shows because it gave me hope to be like, damn, dude, like they're going to put some real fucking musicians on these touring circuits when shit comes the back. Desert. And now it's like I can't even go on Twitter because... It's not just the fans anymore. It's like the industry people too. It's, it's the, the, artists actual, the artists. It's the actual industry yeah. that's like wanting to come mm. after each other. And it's sad because just like any facet of entertainment, our industry isn't that big. There's really not that many people. It's a niche. You know? It's
2: a niche, man. Yeah. So
0: it's like, fuck, man. Like, what's going to happen?
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I feel you. So I feel you yeah it's very interesting
1: (laughs) every time so every time i like fly if i'm going home or if i'm flying in general i look whenever i look down from the window and i see like how much land there is i'm like that's like that small plot of land is probably like all the music dubstep industry yeah we really give a shit about all these and we're tripping over three people exactly like i
0: literally trip over seven (laughs) people liking some comment that's trashing me and i'm like dude I'm driving next to more than seven people right now. Like get out of your fucking head. And like, I feel like the second I haven't even gotten my mind there yet, but the second you can reframe your mind to be like, yo, like this doesn't matter. Like I try and listen to like highly intellectual people and people who are like, obviously like, you know, whether they're celebrities or, or, you know, tech geniuses and they've become very successful. Half of them are like, yo, like I don't even go on social media. Like I do my thing or I have somebody do it for me and that's it. Because it just feeds into this, like, everybody's able to have their own opinions and shit. So it's like, it, it's just droning it out. It's droning that stuff out and, like, learning how to, like, push forward, I guess.
2: Absolutely. Keep your blinders on and stay in your freaking lane.
0: Yeah. And do and what makes humble. you happy. Yeah. I mean, have you guys... I mean, you you've been around long enough to where... Have you seen certain... I mean, you guys are cool as fuck. Like, you guys are super humble, like... I'm really happy that you decided to come on to this podcast because I've had artists that are smaller than you guys whose management is like, yeah, you know, it's not a good look. It's not, we're not, we're not going to do this right now. So it's like for you guys to come on and step to come on and Mustard to, to come on, it's like, damn, like this is really cool. And that's like part of your humbleness. And that's part of like your not, you know, your feast mentality, not a famine mentality. And I feel like too many people have that like famine mentality where they get to a certain point and their like whole ego kind of like changes. And have you guys worked the, alongside people like that? Uh,
2: yes, I think you will inevitably meet people like that. I think they're doing it for the wrong reasons, but more importantly, I think they think of it as an um, as a zero sum game. The music industry is not a zero sum game, and I'll explain what I mean. It doesn't because you get an opportunity, it doesn't mean you took it from someone else, and that's that's the biggest thing. There are people that go out of their way to steal time slots from people, to steal label releases from people, there are actually people that will do that, yes, but for the most part, the industry is not a zero-sum game. And Really, what you have to think about, about is, it is a leverage thing, and like I said, it, it's a leverage thing on a lot of fronts, but that doesn't mean you should be only doing things where you have the leverage, that doesn't make sense. And it also doesn't mean you should only be doing things that benefit you. Look, we're a small community of creative individuals. We're a niche. As far as as far as entertainment, as far as music industry is concerned, dubstep, rhythm, heavy bass music, we are the nichest niche you could possibly think of. So, like, yeah. When you do things like tell someone you don't want to be on someone's podcast, you have every right to do it. Yeah. But when you try to justify it by saying it's not good luck, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, Why am I so worried about what someone else is going to think if you personally, and again, no judgment. If you personally don't want to do something, don't fucking do it. It's the beauty of this job. You have no guidelines. You have no one telling you what you can and can't do. And if you have that, I'd say get out of that management or whatever, because that's not fun. You're not an individual at that point. You know, you can't represent what you believe in, but at the same time, ask yourself, why are you so concerned with the way something looks that you're not willing to pass down some of that viewership to somewhere else? Like, listen it's no it's no it's no small thing and it's most no secret i should say it's no secret that having mode step having us to a lesser extent of course but having mode step us and must die on your podcast is gonna do well for your podcast it's gonna help your podcast so like instead of like having this shrouded in mystery it's better to have it at the forefront because in five to ten years, when Lizzie Jane's killing the fucking game, when she has a cologne brand named after her, and she has a fucking baseball stadium named after her, like, what do you, who do you think I'm going to hit up when I need to fucking get on a podcast? You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it, if you believe in someone's message, that's what you need to worry about, not how it looks to someone else. Mm-hmm. Because at the end yeah, of the and- day, if the only reason you're doing this is because you want to look good man, you're in the wrong fucking industry because n- you're going to have way too many people telling you you don't look good all yeah. at once. And it's going to be on Twitter and people are going to retweet it and it's going to make you sad.
1: <laughs> and Absolutely. It's, it's one of the big reasons why uh, we signed your track with I is when mm-hmm. we heard, I was in studio with Twelfth and because we, whenever we do demos, we go over them together. And yeah, he has a nice system and everything. So we played it out and right right away, like, the intro and then and into the build-up we were we already knew we were gonna sign it because of the message that was behind the track and what what born i was was talking about about yeah horrible it's been and that was the that was right away i turned to john i'm like we need to sign this and this is gonna be the 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 cream on top of the cake because because it has a great message obviously and yeah, And to close out the whole year, uh, initially, obviously, the the comp was supposed to come out last year, which was mm-hmm. December, but it didn't happen. But I feel like it's a good timing um, as um, things change in 2021 to close out the year, to close out all the releases with, with that track.
0: Well, I, I greatly appreciate it. I was literally like on FaceTime with my friend and I was just like, dude, they took it. I was like, they fucking took that shit, and I freaked out. I was like, this isn't real. I gotta call my mom, like da, da da da, because it was just so cool. Because I sent the track to so many people, and I like sent it to Odd Profit, and I sent it to like Bad Clat and like other people who would give me feedback and shit. And they're like, you know, like I don't know how I feel about it, but I've never heard anything like it. But like it's like spoken word dubstep. And I was like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what people like think about it or, or the reaction to it. Like I'm mentally prepared for anything that anybody's going to say. I'm going to just try and not look at the fucking comments, but like the message in it is the important part. And I feel like that's something that like we have the opportunity. I mean, that's why we create music. Like it's to have like a message behind it or a moat, a feeling or, you know, do something that, that, you want to it's your the way that we express ourselves as artists and producers like aside all the content Like the music should be the most important part So it was very very cool that you guys dug that track and like born eyes of fucking he's amazing He obviously has a huge history in edm period and in rap music as well And so he was like yo like because I originally sent the song to him And there's my vocals and parts of the build-up as well and it was just like, uh Uh, just ambient kind of thing and I was like just do a spoken word thing over it And then when I sent him the track he's like holy shit and i'm like, yeah Because it's like there's so much like power between Like behind what he said and he said he just pressed record and he just talked And then he sent me the whole like four minute thing of him talking and I was Like able to edit everything together and so yeah, well, I greatly appreciate you guys showing interest in it but going into that with what you said so do you do you work really close with John? Like, what is John's like role? Cause I know he doesn't like, <laughs> I know he's like, obviously like the, the curator, right? Like, I don't know. He what is his, his
1: prisoner, dude. <laughs> I so, I mean, so what we do is, uh, like I said, I was talking to him right before we got on the, on this. And um, we usually, what we do is we get together. Uh, we try to at least get together. It's difficult because of COVID, but we yeah. used to meet up every single week and we would, make food obviously that was like our big thing or our motivator but throughout the day would listen to all the demos so I get sent a whole lot of demos and from that I would weed out you know the obvious like this won't do just well. not
0: ready yeah it's
1: not ready yet and I would take the ones that might be really good and some of them would be like really good and we would go over them all of them and we would just find out what the next few months would look like and see what the what, what the new kids are doing and, and mm-hmm. what we can sign. Um, basically that we, we in are together and, you know, uh, he helps me figure out different things, but yeah, um, that's what, that's what we do together. Pretty much.
0: That's super sick. So like looking into the back end of Disciple, is it mostly like you, Rossi and John, or are there a, still a bunch of other um, people who play parts?
1: So, um, Daniel, he used to be on, uh, on a project called Astronom- Hold on one
2: sec. With- I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt, uh, but I do have to go. I have to jet and, and start playing no, the that's stream. That's fine. So yeah. I appreciate you, Lizzie Jane. Love you very thank much. You I'll leave so you guys much. to finish up here.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much Mwah. for coming on Deandre. Mwah. Have a good stream. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Bye bye y'all. Bye.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for staying on. Okay. Keep going. Yeah,
1: Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, we basically have, um, multiple so disciple and round table it's different uh i do mainly disciple round table with john and um 12th and we curate the whole year we all the releases and then i put it together and like back end where it's uh agreements contracts uh distribution artwork uh i don't make the artwork or the videos myself uh we have teams to to do it pretty much uh and yeah on for main label. um, daniel who is who used to be on astronaut with with Miro, um we uh he he curates the whole uh label with rossi and they would look for music and stuff and then i I've been helping them um with um social media and all of that for disciple main label
0: that's awesome so it's still a fairly small team you would yeah it's you know.
1: Uh yeah, we have three so three owners and then two employees, which is me and um um a guy called Dieter. He does all the YouTube stuff, all the cool videos you guys see.
0: The um, videos are insane. They yeah, animate yeah.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the whole team.
0: Sick. Okay, cool. And I mean, I think it's so cool cuz you guys were the, one of the first labels that were really like artist-based ran. And and I think that there's a future there, especially with what I said earlier with the new labels where it's kind of like we're Platforming artists by artists running the label mm-hmm. And I think there's something special in that because just as deandre said like at the end of the day This is a business even though it's like a fun-ass thing like I remember when I was like 18 I was like wow Do they just like open a box and the rave pops up and like all of like the people just start playing and all of that shit and it's like there's so much that goes on on behind the scenes that it's really cool to see artists kind of putting on that different cap and becoming educated enough to start taking those steps and I really yeah. hope that that's what the future will bring uh you know just in EDM period mm-hmm. uh hopefully you know throughout this time most of us made our income off of touring for the most part or if you were offering you know other freelance services mm-hmm. and it really showed us how little We make off of our music and you know the actual point zero zero whatever per stream And it's bringing attention to I feel like something that has been swept under the rug because of live events for so long That we should be making more off of our music than we are And and it'll just be interesting to see how everything really plays out But from the position of where you're at with an a and r and also an artist You know what are some things that you would tell these aspiring? If if you're an aspiring dubstep producer, you want to fucking get signed to Disciple. So when all of these kids come to you, whether they've talked to you directly or asked things in the you know in the Disciple Reddit forums or on your Discord, what are some things that you would tell an aspiring producer to really focus on before they decide to send their track into a label like yours?
1: I think the most important part is to knock out the music off the park like right than the bat you have to be good mm-hmm. it, it's at the end of the day it's the music that's gonna get you on the label it's not you know um your branding or whatever because if the branding is there it's fine but if the music's not there then us as the label we're gonna have you know a problem selling that music because yeah. it's if it's not good enough then then we won't be able to sell it so at that point you have to have to have to have good music and All you have to do right now, if you're an up-and-coming producer, just keep on working on music and post your clips on Twitter, post your uh, clips on on SoundCloud, whatnot. Just don't expect, you know, uh, don't have high expectations. Just do it for fun as long as you can. And then once you are at that point, we will find you. We will, because I'm always looking for new music to sign uh, and show to the team before we sign it, obviously. It's important that, you know, you're good to go when you when you get signed. Cause once you sign, once you have an EP, that's your like way in and then you have to keep it going. Cause you will get like a small following from a release and then you will not post anything for a little bit. So you have to be ready. You have to make sure that, you know, musically you're ready to go and you have enough music that will sustain you for the next four or five months after a release, for example. Yeah. So keep working on music and that's pretty much it. Um, You don't have to have, you know, a big branding or anything. Um, Your music should speak for itself.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's something that hopefully will come out of this pandemic because the eyes have been put on the music instead of like the touring photos and the touring videos and all of that shit. Um, And like, Something you know a position that I was in was that I you know I had been wanting to send music to you guys for like quite some time But like I knew I wasn't ready yet and would you either want to see a producer submit Let's say a few different songs. Maybe they're not ready yet and you see the you know the constant uh effort that they're putting forth to you know becoming a better producer x y and z or would you rather them be patient and be like yeah this is the one this is the one that i want to send to them because i don't want to get the answer no like w- what would you rather see as an a and r
1: um it, i think it really depends on um how fast you can make music mm-hmm. obviously you know people there are producers out there that can like pump out a track in a day but then uh then the track is also good, but then there's producers that will try to do the same, but it's not quite the same result. So it's important that, that, you know, your limitations and what you can do. And based Mm -hmm. off of that, if you can make music, good music real quick, then just put it out yourself and then somebody will find you, a label will find you, a manager will find you and put you on. Um, but if you're not confident like that, if you can't, you know, make music quick, then save. All the, then line your ducks up and have all the releases, uh, all the tracks that you make in a, in a big playlist and see what's good. And then out of those, then you select the the, the tunes that you think will are good enough for other people are good enough for you, first of all, and then send it out to labels and, and managers and stuff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, it, it, I think it's important to not go out and look for label releases let mm-hmm. like let the labels come to you let the managers come to you yeah,
0: yeah absolutely and and that's what i've heard for most people as well like i want to say like nobody's going to knock on your door like you have to do your your part to making sure that you're you know posting the twitter clips and being proactive mm-hmm. about the shit that you're doing on your social media but yep. it's also your main focus shouldn't be okay i got to get signed here i got to get this agent i got to get this manager because they will, you want people working for you and you want people who are interested in signing your tracks that are, you know, interested in the content and interested in the product. Because I feel like if you get something done for you over a favor, those favors eventually like run out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. It's it's important that you you know your worth and um, you know that the whole thing is going to happen because of you and not because of somebody else's favors and somebody else's Doing your bidding pretty much,
0: and yeah, and I feel like that's like long term versus short sighted thinking and, and mm. planning and trajectory Um, yeah. do you guys have anything coming up on besides the release on Friday, which you all did your SoundCloud? It was a collab, right? With N-
1: yeah, Niptane,
0: Niptane. Okay, I was gonna butcher the pronunciation on that, uh, with Niptane, which is like. Fucking fire. That's gonna come out on Friday. My track with Born i comes out on Friday, uh, on the nights of the annual roundtable comp, which is gonna yep. be super, super cool. It's it's a great compilation with a lot of strong players. Um, do you guys have anything lined up after that you're that you're looking forward um, to?
1: We sure do. I don't think I'm gonna like spoil it for anyone. Yeah, no, no, no that's but fine. keep an eye out on on obviously the roundtable socials and yes you know, you'll get to see what we're talking about pretty much.
0: Awesome. But yeah, we have we
1: have things lined up always um trying to get as much, you know, good music out as possible. Yeah. But hopefully this year we're going to trying to we we're, we're trying to take some time in between releases rather than pumping out new EPs every single week cuz we Correct. did that last year and it was partially, you know, my fault for um not really fault, but my I wanted to time it so that we would release Knights of the Round Table volume 4 as the 100th release which it is but we kind of had to push it back to this year to to January but that was the goal and I think we're we're there now so now it's now it's time to you know, kind of slow down a little bit
0: more. yeah absolutely uh, well
1: focus on main label stuff as well
0: yeah i mean it's it's so cool cuz there's there's very few people i think in the grand scheme of things that are able to kind of play more than one important part in like the whole wheel And, and it's like super dope. And you kind of just like took that within your mannerisms and you just paying attention to detail as the person you were in Vandals to begin with that kind of, I guess, planed you into being a part of Disciple on like the bigger administration, administration plane, which is like super, super cool. And, and I'm really excited to see you know, what Disciple and Disciple Roundtable has planned for the rest of 2021. I think regardless of what happens with the pandemic, everybody Mm. knows that they can come to you guys for like the up-and-coming bass music as well as the established players. Yeah, of course,
1: of course. Yeah. Um, We'll try to put on as much good music as we can possibly this year. And I think we can hope to do so for the rest of the future. I don't know. Uh, Because at the end of the day, good music is what, you know, makes us what we are. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think there's like, even though there is like a very huge amount of people that want to do this now, that mm-hmm. means that there's like more opportunities for there to be great music as long as exactly. people like keep doing it and very forward thinking music, which is super, super exciting. And I'm really excited even though we're still like stuck at home. I'm super excited to see what you know festival lineups are going to be not only their sets are sounding like but who's going to be playing them when everything comes back to turn i think there's going to be even if it's not like a huge change i think there will be a little like enlightening like slight little changes and it'll definitely be for the better i'm really excited to hear just some like weird shit in when everything kind of comes back to to playing and i don't think we really would have gotten this if we didn't go through this time i think everything does you know sucks Happen.
1: but yeah it, it all happens for a reason and yeah i think um where we can only look forward to you know a better future
0: absolutely the, the only way is up thankfully yeah. we're, we're pretty down already um yeah. but thank you so much for coming on tell deandre i said thank you as well course, uh yeah. greatly appreciate you both and you know i can't wait until i can hopefully see you guys for the end of the year fingers, yeah, crossed. fingers yeah, crossed yeah right but and It'd again nice, you know yeah. Thank you for your interest in my track where me and I are really, really, really excited. Yes, of so, course. So yeah, thank you. Okay, I greatly appreciate it, Vishal. Um, Bandals, Vishal, label A&R as well as label manager for Disciple, Disciple Roundtable. Uh, thank you guys. Have a good thank one.
1: Thank you so much.